really glad that you're here. One of the things that we do um, here at New Life is um, that we, we pray for those in our community who, um, who are hurting, who feel far from God. And um, if you're here today and you feel like this is the last place that you really want to be, um, you may be in good company. Uh, that sounds funny, but there, there are a whole lot of people on Easter um, who, who end up at church because maybe their wife brought them, their mom brought them. It's, it's like a, the best thing they can do for their mom is to go to church on Easter. Um, some of you are nodding your head already. Um, but uh, whatever you're here, whatever reason you're here, we believe that God um, has a plan and that uh, he has something to say today. Really excited you're here to talk about the day that changed everything. Um, and especially those of you who are visiting with us, just glad you chose to be at New Life today. Um, we are really passionate about our kids. You're going to hear them in our service. They're all around here, and they're upstairs, and they're back there. Pretty much if you open a closet, you'll find a kid somewhere <laughs> around here. Um, and uh, we are passionate about leading, leading our, our babies and our kids to Jesus, and uh, really excited today to have your kids in the house um, and you as well. So I want to do something that we do every week here at New Life. Um, one of the reasons that, uh, that we love Easter so much is that we do bring a lot of people out um, to celebrate the resurrection and uh, a lot of people that don't normally come. And so we want to take this opportunity to tell you a little bit about what we do here. Um, you may have heard New Life's name associated with what we call the mall program. Um, if you come here, yeah, the, uh, if you come here and you're expecting the mall, there is no Old Navy. Um, <laughs> there's, it's not that kind of mall. Um, basically, it's a time on Wednesdays for, uh, for us to be able to, to pick some kids up on a bus, bring them into this place, um, manage them, <laughs> feed them, um, love them, and, uh, and then send them home. And so we do that every week, um, and we, we also do some incredible things in the summer with uh, with um, swimming, where we go and take a bus and just pick up kids who, who may not have anything else to do um, and take them swimming with us in the summer. We also do a VBS, which is a great opportunity for the kids to eat and be here and hear a little bit more about Jesus. Um, we love our children around here, and we love all the kids in Paragon. You're going to see our name a lot if you're around this area when it comes to kids. But the truth is we're passionate about anyone um, and everyone who feels the way we do about God. And um, the truth is that we, uh, there's a lot of you in this place who may think that you're in a religious building, that you're in a place where God is. And we believe God's here, but not because of the building. We don't believe that there's anything special about this building, although we work really hard to keep it clean and keep it in good shape, and we're proud of it. We don't believe that God has inhabited this building because it's a church. We believe that what God has done is given us an opportunity to, to have him in our lives on a daily, regular basis. And a lot of that has to do with what we're here to celebrate today. So what I want to do today is before we get started, I want to pray together. Um, if praying's a new thing for you or if you, if you do like a lot of us do, even the church people here, a lot of us fake it. Um, we bow our heads, we close our eyes, and we think about the game afterwards. Um, I know, I know it. Um, but uh, what we want to do today is just give you an opportunity. If you're going to sit here for the next half hour, um, and if you're here with a church person, they just leaned over and said, make it 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> But if you're here for, if you're going to listen anyway, you're going to be here, um, might as well let God uh, have a chance at tugging at your heart a little bit today. And um, what, what I want to do is talk about the day that changed everything, and I want to explain why that is, and I'm hoping that next time you, you hear Easter, next time you see Easter, you'll think about it a little bit different after today. Well, I want to pray together, and what we do um, every Sunday, we come in here um, to be together. You saw the shaking and the howdy in, and we do a lot of that, and um, we love just doing life together. But it, also we come to get some perspective on our life. We believe that God is in charge, God is in control, that I, I'm taking another breath because he says, yes, you can. 
Um, and it, I'd be cr- kind of silly in my life to think that I'm in charge um, and that I'm in control. But I do it. I take over every Tuesday, every Monday afternoon. I'm taking over again. And uh, so this is a great opportunity for us to get some perspective. And um, so just give you an opportunity right now to, to bow your head, and then I'll pray for us. God, we thank you for the way you love us. We thank you for your son. God, we thank you for the day that changed everything. Nothing's been the same since that day on earth. And uh, we believe that today you desperately want to show that same kind of a power in our lives personally, everybody in this place. God, there's a lot of us that have come into this place disillusioned, tired, frustrated, mad at religion in general. God, I'm praying today that you would allow us to turn our lives inside out a little bit and that you would speak into our our worlds, that you'd say something to us that uh, is fresh and new, that it would be something better than Dr. Phil can come up with, more important than we can read in a book. God, we thank you for the joy and the peace and the hope that comes, not with being good people, but with being yours. We pray that you'd be honored by the way we listen to you today in your son's name. Amen. So Easter is full of hyperbole. It's full of big phrases. It's full of statements. Rick made a bunch of them this morning, didn't he, in his announcements? He did. He made a bunch of those statements, like the, the tomb is empty. Um, he said, uh, he said it, it, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And, and we've got all these kinds of things going on. But what is Easter? Have you ever seen this picture before? This is crazy. This is the way some of us think about Easter. It really is. Like Jesus is going, hey, show up at church on Sunday. You know? We think of Easter as a fairy tale. Some of us think of Easter um, like, like I do when I grew up um, in terms of... Uh, of flannel graphs, and we, we have these characters that we've made up to make look like Jesus. And the truth is, Jesus didn't look like a Scandinavian surfer with blue eyes. I mean, he just didn't. That's not who he was. But that's what we've created him to be because it makes us feel like we can connect with him. And the truth is, if we're not careful, we will completely miss Easter. One of the things I'm hoping that happens today is that you never think of Easter the same after this sermon. Now, that's a lot of pressure on me. Um, So this week I've been praying that God would uh, help me say two things today, Um, which is funny. I know those of you who come to church on a regular basis are going, he won't say two things. I can promise you that. (laughs) But I want two major things to come today. I want you to see the power of Easter. I want you to see how it is affected every day of our lives. It's not just a religious thing. In fact, it was never intended to be a religious thing. I'll explain what that means in a minute. Easter has become such a fairy tale to some of us. It's also become a scary tale. Anybody seen these pictures? Next slide. One more. Have you seen that? Goo! <laughs> this is what we've reduced Easter to. Next one. Check this one out. Look at that. <laughs> now, that's the, kind, that's the kind of way that you create Easter nightmares for your children the rest of your life. This is why people are scared to come to Easter service. Anything they're going to see that? Next one. <laughs> I think that Easter bunny is dead. I really do. <laughs> next slide. Ah! That one's going to eat the kid's head. And next one. That's my favorite one right there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is what people think of Easter. 
We've made Easter bunnies out of this thing. We've created, we've got eggs all, we have eggs all over our building because that's what we expect at Easter. I've got to be real honest with you. My wife would hate for me to say this today. She's in the building. She, right now she's going, oh, no. But I've got to be real honest. I'm just going to be real forthcoming with you last night. We had a, one of those we're terrible parents moments last night. If you've ever had one of those, it, it happened to us last night. It was about 11 o'clock, maybe 10.30, something like that. We were laying in bed. I was kind of touching up my sermon, and she had just got her jammies on, and we sat down, and she got on Facebook and had, a picture, had seen a picture of somebody's great Easter basket they made for their kids. And Risha goes, we don't have Easter baskets. 10.30 last night, no Easter baskets for our kids. So I did what uh, any good dad would do at that point. I got my shoes on and went to Kroger on the south side of Bloomington where I strolled the aisles with all the rest of the awful-feeling parents <laughs> and picked through what was left of the Easter stuff, you know, and tried to convince Reese this morning that he really loved this Easter basket that I got him. I, it's, it's the one that was smashed in the back. It's the last one. It's all I could get. And truthfully... I, I took these Easter baskets back. They're sitting on my seat. And Risha said, I only spend a little bit on them, you know. So I had to call her because there, there wasn't anything for a little bit. It was only the expensive junky stuff that was left. So I called her and said, what should I do? Should I get this? She goes, well, get the cheapest junky thing you can find, you know. <laughs> so I get this thing. I put it in the seat. And I go back home. And I'd just been tweaking this sermon and praying through the sermon and thinking through the sermon. And thinking about how we teach our kids and how we talk to, about Easter to ourselves and to our kids and to our friends. And how we make Easter about Easter bunnies and Easter baskets. And here I am sitting with two pieces of junk in the cart because it's what we do. Truthfully, all that stuff will be broken or eaten by the dog by Wednesday. It will be. The dog would be the happiest thing about Easter in, in our house this week. Because truthfully, it's just, it's just not worth it. And truthfully, it has clouded the view of Easter. Now, some of you may feel like Easter is not, even a, not a fairy tale, and it's maybe not a scary tale. Maybe you didn't have that issue um, when you were growing up with that kind of a scary Easter bunny. Um, but maybe, maybe it's just worthless to you. Maybe it's something the church people do. It's a religious time. Maybe it's when the commercials come on on the radio. I, had, I did a commercial this year. This is the first time we've done that. Um, and, uh, you know, and that's when you start hearing those commercials. And maybe, maybe it's just not very meaningful to you at all. I want to tell you when that changed for me. Next slide. I got to actually visit um, the place where, where this happened. Where we don't know exactly on the map the latitude and longitude to where Jesus was buried and where he raised from the dead, but there are six or eight different places where we think it may have happened. And of course, in each one of those places, you can buy Happy Jesus bobbleheads and you can buy all kinds of stuff there, you know. Um, but there, when, when we were in, uh, when I was in Israel, I went with a group to shoot some video. And when we were in Israel, the guide said we, we had gone to all the places where they had said Jesus may have risen from the grave. And none of them really looked like the picture that I had in my head, you know, with the big light on it, you know, none of that happened. And I just didn't feel very satisfied, honestly. In fact, the, the one place that we went that made me feel the grossest is to get out of the, you go into this fence and you go look at the tomb that they think Jesus might have been buried in and may have rose from the dead, and you peek your head in, and then you walk out and people are getting their pictures taken, and the only way to get out is to go through the gift shop, <laughs> You have to go through the gift shop. And there's people buying pictures and buying pictures. And you just feel like, this doesn't feel like it makes sense to me. And something just didn't feel right. We got in the bus, 
And the guide, who wasn't a Christian, but who was an incredible follower of Jesus, loved Jesus' teachings, but didn't believe that he was the Son of God. At that point, she does now. Um, but we got on the bus, and she said, uh, she said, we got a little bit of time. You guys want to see where I think Jesus rose from the dead? If he did, at this point, she wasn't sure that happened. You want to see where I think Jesus was, was buried? I said, yeah. It's none of these places where they're gift shops? She goes, this doesn't make sense. And she starts telling us the historical things, why these different places didn't make sense. And she pulls up, they pull the bus up, and she says, there it is. And this is the picture of it. This is a, um, a cave, basically, in Israel. And they're everywhere. Okay? They, I mean, they, these, these little burial places are everywhere. You can see them all over Israel. They're on the side of mountains, and they're rocks that they've carved or taken caves. And they, they take a, you can see the big rolling stone there. I want you to get a picture of this because this isn't Easter bunnies and that grass that gets stuck in your sweeper, okay? This is a historical place. You can go physically stand in the place where Easter happened. I want you to get that this morning. Even if you're visiting with us, you're not sure you believe in the God stuff, you're kicking the tires on this thing. You can, you can be sure of this, that this is a historical fact that a man named Jesus lived for 33 years. He died on a cross for things he didn't do. And they buried him in a place like this somewhere. Probably in a, in a, in a, in a cave with a big opening. And what they do, and they still do it, they have a trough there in front of it where they have that big stone and they roll the stone up. And I mean, it's almost impossible. You get that stone rolling a little bit and it'll go, but it's huge and heavy and crazy big. And as I stood there and looked at this thing, it all hit me. I wish I could take you all there today. That'd be expensive airfare. Because there's something just real and raw about standing in a place that could be where it happened. What I'd love for you to do is get the idea today that this isn't a fairy tale, that this isn't a scary tale. This is history. This happened, it was over 2,000 years ago now. And we read it like this, Matthew 28, verse 1 says this, after the Sabbath, now the Sabbath day um, at this point in history was a Saturday, okay? Uh, it got changed later when Constantine took over um, power of, of the Christian world and changed it to Sunday because of the resurrection of Jesus. But at this point in history, uh, the Sabbath was on, was on Saturday. So the Sabbath after Saturday at dawn on the first day of the week, so this had been Sunday morning early. Remember, you heard Rick tell the story loudly this morning. <laughs> Friday, Jesus died. Saturday, he was buried, and there was mourning. Have you ever had the disappointment, this, the, this grave disappointment like this in your life? This, this disappointment that is basically your entire life wrapped into a ball and flushed down the toilet. These are the people that followed Jesus at this point. Because when Jesus walked uh, on the earth, he, he had all these people following him for a lot of different reasons. They were feeding him, or he was feeding them. He was healing the sick people around him. Now, there were a lot of people saying, you've got to come see this magician. They didn't, they didn't follow him because he was the son of God. They followed him because they got a free lunch. They followed him because their ailments were healed every now and then. And it was a really good show. It was an incredible thing. But after a while, he began to say things that were really intriguing. He began to say things like this. He began to say, I'm, I am from heaven. I am partially God. And these people, I mean, that's just blasphemy. You just don't say that in a culture that is so religious as this one. And he began to say, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, even though he dies, will live again. People are going, man, this guy is a great show and he feeds us well, but man, he is out there. 
And then the religious leaders started saying that he was blasphemous, and they started following him. So they follow him more and more and more until he is dangerous to the religious community, and they crucify him. And on this Sunday, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to, the, to look at the tomb. Now, we don't know exactly why they went to look at the tomb, but it's pretty evident that they were expecting to find a body there. They were expecting to find a dead body. Now, it's not real easy for them to roll that stone away. They had to get some help to do that. They might have had to have, find somebody to help them move that. But they were expecting to do some things with, with scents and with, uh, with some sort of herbs and spices to make the body smell better, and they were expecting to find a dead body. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid. A little late now, isn't it? (laughs) Do not be afraid. For I know that you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. And at this point, you've got to be thinking the women are going, Yeah, that's why we're here. And uh, the stone is rolled away, and I can look inside and see he's not there. Don't be afraid. He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now this part of the story is Easter. But truthfully, this is not what changed the world. This is the beginning of what changed the world because what we know happened next is 500 or more people saw Jesus. Now these were the same people that probably saw Jesus crucified. They saw him totally crucified on a cross and tortured on a cross, laid in a tomb, wrapped in the same clothes they always see people, and then raised again. Didn't make sense to them. This next slide. The number one reason that this day changed everything is not just because that Jesus raised from the dead. I got to let you know, he is the only person. You can take a list of all the great leaders Take a list of all the religious leaders and all the great teachers in the world. Put them all on a list, and you worship everybody who has died and raised again. Okay, go ahead. There's one. One person who has died death and raised again. But that's not the only thing that changed everything, because here's what had happened. Jesus had made some promises while he was walking the earth. He made some promises that were ridiculous. I mean, they were were really ridiculous promises. Not only did he say that he was God, not only did he say that all you have to do is believe in him and you can have eternal life, he also said all these things about religion. He hated religion and it made people, uh, religious leaders really mad. He said all these things and now when when he dies, the disciples think all of it was a lie. It's all over. And when Jesus comes back, when his disciples see him for the first time, It's not just his return that they're excited about. It's that all the things that he has said must be true. Because here's the thing. If you can die and come back, you can pretty much do anything, right? So what they did is they categorically go through their mind and they go, if if this is true, 
then everything he said must be true. Here's two reasons that today, and these are the two things that I want to tell you today. I hope you leave today. Two reasons that Easter changed everything. And now, I want you to know today that I've been praying through these. I've been thinking through them a lot, and I've condensed them down as much as I can. And I'm, I'm really hoping that they surprise you today. Um, but here's one of the reasons that Easter changes everything. The first one is this, that it freed us from religion. Isn't that weird? If you're here today, you're going, hey, what am I doing right now? Isn't this a religion? No, it doesn't have to be. Now, there are still pe- people all over the world who are religious. And here's what I mean by religious. Religion says this, okay? Religion, every time it comes up, all kinds of religions all over the world, this is pretty much true of any religion anywhere, says this. You ought to do this. You don't do this. So you're toast. <laughs> That's pretty much what it says, doesn't it? It says, here's a list of rules that you can't possibly obey. And when you don't, you're going to spend the rest of your eternity in a messed up place. That's what religion is. Now, at this point in history, when Jesus comes to earth and these people are following him, it's gotten worse than it's ever got. They begin to make up their own rules to tell people really crazy rules, silly things that they've made up to, to control people and to make them feel like that if they don't do specific things, then they can't earn God's love. And Jesus comes and says, I've come to get rid of all of that. Because here's the thing for us, and maybe this is true of you, that every time we think about God as humans, the default is religion. What I mean by religion is that we we make up rules, and if we don't live by them, God must not love me. Many of you are here today for the first time since last Easter, and partially because of that. You're tired of rules, you're tired of rules you can't live up to, and Jesus says to this group of people, I've come to free you from religion. Jesus started, when he came, a new relationship, not a new religion. Here's what I mean by this. Check this out. After Jesus died and rose again, he was with his, he was with his disciples for some time, um, and then he ascended to heaven, and we have record of all of that in the Bible, that he went back to heaven. And after he did, then the big work began for the disciples. They began creating the church, and that's part of why you're here today. And in Romans chapter 7, we hear from one of the guys um, that, uh, was, who lived just after Jesus who created the church. He says this, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to the God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. Paul says that the way we live, every time we think about God, The way most of us think about God is that what he wants most in our life is for us to take a checklist and mark all the things that he wants us to do. That He has a list of good things, and it's like a big Santa Claus in the sky. And you're either on his good list or his bad list. And the truth is, all of us are on the naughty list, if that's the case. And so many of us just give up. And Paul says this, he says, In my mind I have this problem that every time I think about God, it makes me think about rules, and it makes me think about how wretched man I am. And he says, but thanks be to Jesus. The power of Easter, one of the reasons that Easter changed everything, is that when Jesus came, when he rose from the dead, he had brand new power, brand new relationship with you. We call it the Spirit of God that lives in you. And he says, when we accept him, 
We accept this gift. We don't follow a list of rules. We accept him, and the Spirit lives in us. And it's this thing, this thing that we're all struggling with. If you're here today, and you're, you're not a church person, and you're, you're sitting next to a church person, that person is struggling today. They're struggling with the Spirit inside them to say, we want, we want to live so that we produce fruit. We want to live so that we have peace and joy and hope in our lives. But we're not doing that so we can go to heaven, because we've been given the promise of heaven. And we've been given the promise of Easter that changed everything. Secondly, Easter changed everything because it was the death of death. Somebody said it this morning. Easter was the day that death died. I've got friends right now um, in my life who are starting to get sick. Man, getting old stinks, doesn't it? And it gets stinks. Uh, it stinks personally. I, I get up in the morning and things hurt, things, muscles I didn't even know I had. All of a sudden, they start hurting. I start feeling, I, I get on Facebook, I was telling Richard this the other day, I get on Facebook or I run into somebody from high school, I went to high school in Ellettsville, and every now and then we'll be in Bloomington or in Ellettsville somewhere and I'll run into somebody and I go and go, man, they look old. <laughs> like, it's a good thing I don't look as old as they do, huh? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't ever look in a mirror. But I, I, there's this thing that's awful about getting old just personally. But truthfully, one of the things that's hardest for me about getting old is the people I love are are dying. And the, the older I get, the closer they are to my age. You know what I'm saying? So I have these two fears about death. If I, outside of Easter, outside of my relationship with Jesus, if I get into that time on Thursday after church, after it's been a, a long week and it's been a crazy and I've taken over my life and I forgot that I'm not in charge of my life and that God is and I forgot who I am, I get to this panic state, which many of you have too, about death about my friends and about myself. John chapter 11, Jesus is talking to a woman whose brother has just died, and it's actually Jesus' best friend. And it's one of the best stories in the Bible. You've got to go back and check this out. Um, his best friend, Jesus, gets there late to help heal him, and so they're all, all the people are going, I can't believe you're late, Jesus. I just can't believe you're late. He died. He's already dead. You're too late. And Jesus is like, I'm not too late. The power of life in me. And he raises his friend from the dead. It's awesome. Resurrection story. Great resurrection story. Even before Jesus' resurrection story. And so he's talking to, to this, this man's sister. And he says that Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. I was praying for you this morning that Easter would change everything for you today. That it wouldn't just be something that changed it for the world, but in your world right now, the things that are dead and dying in your life, you know what I mean? Sin, the messed up stuff, always causes death. The death of relationships, physical death, the death in your life right now. I want you to know this, that God is still in the resurrection business. You know that? That the resurrection of Jesus was just the beginning. That his intent for you, that the reason Easter changes everything, is because he beat death. He gave us the promise of life eternal. But even the things on earth that you feel like are dying, even the things inside you that you feel dead, he will, can, resurrect. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20 says this. Christ will be exalted in my body, Paul says, whether by life or death. Wouldn't it be amazing to be able to say this last line and mean it? At verse 21, that last line. 
For to me, to live is Christ, and to die, it's scary. No, <laughs> to die is gain. My grandfather is one of the best preachers I've ever known, one of the best men I've ever been around. And at the end of his life, I remember we were in a nursing home in Bloomington, and he was dying of cancer. We were all around the bed, and this is one of those times I felt like I got that panicky death thing, you know? And I think my grandpa knew me really well. He wasn't a really emotional guy, but he, he became more emotional. That's what we do, isn't it? <laughs> As he got closer to death. And I saw a tear, and my mom and I were standing around, and he loved to see my kids, and they were close. And my mom said, Pop, are you scared to die? And he said, Nope. I've been waiting for this since I was 22 years old. And there was this look in him that wasn't like the cheesy Facebook quotes, you know? You know what I'm talking about. Those ones that you hope you feel, but you kind of just read to every now and then to make yourself feel better. It wasn't that look in his face. This was a look of intent. This was a look of a man who had set his jaw when he was 22 years old that death was not the end for him. This is why Easter changes Many of you here today are scared of death. Many of you here today are so frustrated with religion that you have pushed God out of your life. I want you to know that Easter changed everything that day. It made God say, it it showed God's heart about about religion. That I don't make up rules. That I don't don't ask you to just follow the rules in my life. And that I I don't have a Santa Claus list on my lap. But that the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ is what saves you. Today I want to give you the opportunity to change everything for you. How many of you I know are here today who are Christians who come in every week and you've said on one occasion or the other, I've heard it a lot, but I still don't have that peace. I still don't have that hope. You haven't given your whole life. You haven't completely given it to Jesus. We want you to give that opportunity today. And those of you today are in the building that I've been praying for this week. I've been praying for you every day this week that today Easter would change everything for you. The very end um, of this story for today, these men who had followed Jesus and who were wishy-washy with Jesus all the time, they were constantly wishy-washy. They couldn't tell whether they were following him or not. They weren't sure whether what he was saying was right or whether he was just an absolute lunatic. You know what I mean? Some of you feel that way. And the closer they got to him, the more they loved him as a person. But the more they still were confused about what was next. And when he died on the cross, they gave up. In fact, the the leader of all the disciples, his name was Peter. He was the one who Jesus had said, you're going to build my church. Peter, the day Jesus died on the cross, people came to him and said, do you know this Jesus guy? And he said, no, I don't know him. Another person came to him and said, do you know this Jesus guy? Nope, never heard of him. Finally, somebody else comes to him and says, do you know Jesus? And he cusses at him and he says, no, I don't know Jesus. I'm not affiliated with Jesus. I don't like this guy. I don't want to be around this guy. I don't know who he is. He completely denied and betrayed Jesus the day he died. When Jesus came back from the dead, when he rose again, Easter changed everything for Peter. And he began to preach, he began to teach, he began to heal people, and he began to say the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is available to you now. The first time he did that, that we have recorded, he was with another one of the disciples who had lived with Jesus. And they're getting ready to walk into a church building, basically, a 
place to worship God, and there's a guy outside who had never walked in his life. He was lame, and he had never walked from, from his life. And this guy, his friends took him to the church to beg every day. And so he, they, his friends had taken him to the church to beg from people money, and he looked at Peter and John that had been with Jesus, and he, and he said, please, would you give me some money? And they looked him in the eye. Now, one thing I've noticed about people who beg is that if you look at them, they know they got you, right? Because we all do this, don't we? We all look the other way. Well, Peter and John didn't. They looked right in the eyes of this man. This happened to me last week. I was in Colorado, and we, my, my, one of my colleagues and I um, took a cab all the way across Denver to go to this pizza place called Bojo's. Love it. And I've been there before. I love it. It was on the other side of town. It was a lot of work to get there. We got there. We ate our food. On the way there, we were, walk, we were walking in, and we saw a homeless person. And he looked at us, and I saw him. He didn't know I saw him. You know what I'm saying? It was kind of the, oh, don't look at him. And I did that, and we ate our pizza together. And I took, I had a half of this gold pizza. It's the best pizza. Oh, oh. And I took it out home with me, and I went out looking for him. See, when I walked in, I didn't have anything. I didn't have any cash. I didn't have anything to give him. But when I walked out, I had Bojo's Pizza to hand this dude. I was so excited to look for this guy. So now, here's the difference. Instead of ignoring him, I was looking for him. And the guy that was working with me, he's like, hey, what, what's going on here? What? And I said, I'm looking for that homeless guy. Like, I don't see him. We looked around for him a little bit. We finally got in the cab. We drove a couple blocks, and we stopped at a stop sign, and there he was. I rolled down the window, and I called him. Hey, buddy! I didn't know his name. Hey, buddy, come over here. Now I got something to give you. And to me, it was gold. I mean, it wasn't the gospel, but it was close. He handed, I handed him this, and he looked at me. He knows the box, and he, sm- he opened it up, and he said, it's still warm. And I said, God bless you, buddy. That's the best I got. And light turned green, and we, came, we went off. And here's the thing with Peter and John. Throughout their life, Throughout their life, they'd had people begging them, and they always walked by. They always kind of just look out of the corner of their eye and go the other direction. But this man, they went looking for. They made eye contact with him because they had something that was more important than anything he could want in his life. So here, this resurrection of Jesus had changed them, had bubbled up this thing inside them. So they see this lame man, and this guy says, I need some money. And, they, and you've probably heard this song if you've ever been in church. Silver and gold have I none. Something like that. I don't know what that is. There's like a little kid song that goes with the silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I you. And so he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And this lame man stands up and he walks in and he dances and sings in the church and it's this cool scene. And right afterwards, he comes out of the church and the word is out. The word is out that Peter and John had this thing bubble up inside them and a miracle was done right there in front of the church. So they walked out. This is what I've been praying for you, that there would be a miracle in this place today. That maybe for the first time in your life, you'd realize that the resurrection of Jesus Christ applies to your life today, that he wants to make that day change everything for you. That man, that lame man, walked out of the church, and Peter and John walked out of the church, and people were everywhere. I prayed for that today, too. People be everywhere. And when they walked out, Peter and John delivered a message. They stood and they said, this power that, ra- that, that healed this lame man is not by my power. It's by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ who heals broken things. He takes things that are dead and he makes them alive. And that day, 
somewhere in the three to 5,000 men were saved. That's what the Bible says, that men were saved. At that point in history, you just recorded the men. That's a bad thing, I know. But usually there were twice as many. So somewhere in the 10,000 to 12,000 people, it was the beginning of the church that happened that day, outside of that church, because of the power of the resurrection of Jesus. The band can come on up. Now, what I prayed for today, I, that story has motivated me so much. That, that after that, you, get, you start with the 5,000 people that are outside of this church that have given their lives to Jesus. After that began the church. It began 2,000 years ago, and it has not died. It has continued, and it's why you sit in the pews today. That was the beginning of the church, based on the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I prayed today all of these things would happen, and I imagined myself being Peter walking out that door to all of Paragon around the building. Probably not going to happen. Not today, anyway. But I want you to know that I prayed for you today, specifically. And I don't know all of you personally, but some of you I do. And I know that there are things up inside you that are dead, completely dead. And by the power of the resurrection of Jesus today, they can be live. Easter changed everything. Here's the thing about it. It doesn't have to. But we say this around here a lot, that if God wanted to, he could have put a pull string on our backs. And every time he said, I love you, he could have pulled the string and we'd have gone, I love you, God. He could have done that, but he didn't. Because that's not love, is it? A few weeks ago, I asked, I was mad at Reese and put him in timeout. And I told him I loved him after timeout. We went through this whole thing. And he always says, I love you too, Dad. I love you too. And he didn't. There's this thing that just like broke it in me. And it made me mad. So I said, Reese, you tell me you love me. You know how dumb that sounds? You tell me you love me right now. Fine, I love you. <laughs> you know what that means? Nothing. That's why God doesn't put a pull string on your back today what he wants is for you to say I've tried everything else God I've tried everything else I'm not even sure you're there I don't know if I get all this thing but here's the thing today I want the resurrection to change everything for me and when you do that here's the promise there is no more religion that's not what this is it's not about a bunch of rules to follow it's about a relationship with the creator of the universe and the more you live in that relationship the more people start to see a change in you. If you're here today and you're, you're scared of death, whether it's a physical death or the death going on in your life right now, I want you to know that the power of the resurrection is available today, that God's still in the resurrection business. I'll give you a chance today to take part in that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to sing a song. And I'll give you a chance today to say maybe for the first time, God, I choose you. I choose the power of a risen Savior. Let's pray together. God, we thank you again for your love and for your mercy. God, we, I thank you for the words of Paul today that there's something inside us that every time we think about you, it makes us think about rules, and then that makes us think about how bad we are, and then we just want to get further from you. So today, God, any of us in this place that feel that way, God, would you... Would you allow us to, by the risen Savior, kill that in our lives? God, I pray for those in the building today who are far from you.
Would you prompt their hearts? We thank you that you're still in the resurrection business, and we pray you would do that in this place today, and we'll stagger away from this building with the power of a risen Savior. In your son's name, amen.